he's easy enough, a little bit dry in the sense of humor, which that's just typical Robert's family, I think. Um, but then, yeah, as soon as we had met and then it was like, hey, come out to California. So we went out there and we dirt tracked for a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's from that point on, I mean, still Kenny to this day, once he has a couple, couple too many beverages, he'll call me up at 10 o'clock. Hey, man, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> Episode 63, Tank Slapping Podcast. Really hype on this one, guys. Got a really, really awesome guest, fast rider, icon, legend, Colin Edwards coming on the show. Stoked to talk with Colin. I don't know Colin too well. He's one of those guests that I, I have a lot of respect for, and I've always looked up to him as a rider, but I've never got to chat with him too much. We've been texting back and forth about this podcast, and he's been super cool about it, so... Excited to get Colin on and, and chat with him about his career, MotoGP rider, AMA, World Superbike, just phenomenal. Just the stats are insane, what, what he's done in his career. And then when he's done racing, he started the Texas Tornado Boot Camp, which in the flat track world, one of the top, one of the top camps that uh, we have in America. Just a lot of great things he's doing and excited to chat with him about it. So um, we also had the Lima half mile this weekend. I'll chat. Hopefully I can get Butler, get our correspondent Butler on, on the horn and we can chat about Lima. If not, I'll do a solo mission on that. Just kind of go over the weekend, kind of some of the stuff that I've, I saw over the weekend and um, some behind the scenes shit that you might not have saw on NBC or on the coverage, get you guys that information as, as much as I can. Want to make sure we shout out our sponsors and make this show happen week in and week out. Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out the website at yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile, and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. It keeps me going, too. I, the Yamaha MT-07 that I race is a phenomenal motorcycle. And, uh, yeah, Yamaha's doing a lot of great things. Moto America. They had the Ridge this past weekend. A lot of good racing. I... I tuned in as much as I could. My buddy Bangladi had a couple of, I think he it was two second place finishes. I watched the junior cup, the the second day and Tyler Scott ran away with it. And Bangladi was second. Gagne's doing his thing in Superbike. Jackson Blackman uh, won the twins cup. I know that SDK once again, took the win in both days for the 600 series and Corey Alexander, a buddy of mine that actually runs Defile Odds, a company that I started. Corey's doing a really good job with that. Him and James Spoli are keeping that company going. And he grabbed a couple wins in the Stock 1000 class. So big, big weekend for Moto America. And the next one is Laguna Seca, July 9th to 11th. Make sure you get tickets. And if you don't get the tickets, make sure you subscribe to that Live Plus package. Like I said, I watched it over the weekend. The racing was phenomenal. So Check that out. Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out a local dealership near you and scoop up a new bike, the Scout FTR. When it comes to the baggers, they have the Indian Challenger, which is what Tyler O'Hara is racing in the bagger cup as well. Um, They're big supporters of flat track with uh, contingency and their own factory team and the current Super Twins champion, Briar Bauman. 
DID Chain at DID Chain on social media. All the major teams across the industry use the 520MX chain. If you're curious on what chain is best for your application, hit DID up on social media. They will be glad to help, and they're uh, really, really big fans of the sport in, in addition to supporting the industry. Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out Jerry's website, commercialroofsystems.net. Everybody sees the Roof Systems logo. Everybody knows Jerry. He's walking around the pits doing a lot, Runs a, has a super twins team, helps out production twins, singles riders, amateur riders. But not a lot of people know much about Jerry's um, company, you know, go on there and support him. If you, if you need a commercial roof or, you know, somebody that does Jerry's the, one of the leading guys in the country. So, uh, commercial roof systems.net hit him up. Dunlop motorcycle tires, the official tire, of the American flat track series, check them out. Dunlop motorcycle tires.com. They're doing a lot of really cool things as well in the sport, the official tire of American flat track series. And they also have their amateur elite team. So we appreciate Dunlop and all they're doing. AIM Sports Data at AIM Sports Data, the world leader in data acquisition. Solo 2 and the Solo 2 DL, GPS lap timer, the game changer, guys. Make sure you check those out. And last, our one of our biggest supporters and sponsors is uh, Tommy Hannum from Hannum's Harley-Davidson, Media Pennsylvania, 65 years in business. Check him out on Instagram, Facebook, Hannum's Harley-Davidson, and their website, hannumshd.com. If you need any motor clothes, parts, Harley shit. <laughs> He's your guy. So check him out. Uh, without further ado, our first guest is on the line and it's Colin Edwards, man. How are you? What is going on? How y'all doing? Ah, uh, good brother. Just stoked to finally have you on. I know you're a busy guy. We've been going back and forth, but thanks for taking the time today to chat with me. You got it. You got it. Between driving cross country and changing top ends and sitting in a bulldozer and all that shit. Yeah, it's it's been wide open. What we've been trying to do this for what, a few weeks now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's cool. And I've been busy racing too. So it's, it's, uh, you know, one of them things, but no, I, I lot to talk about, man. I won't keep you too long. I could chat. I could ask you a million questions. I was telling the guests I've, I've never formally met you. I've always been a fan of your career. Um, you know, in it, on the bike, and then also when you retired, just the, the things you do after your retirement with the with the boot camp and everything else. And uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan, man. So I'm stoked. Um, getting into it off the start, I read that you actually were uh, a really accomplished, top ranked motocross racer as a as an amateur. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Maybe your 50 cc to 80 cc days and how that all got started. Yeah, I mean, basically, my dad was a motorhead, you know, motorcycles around, and um, I started riding at three. Uh, we started racing at four, and uh, I think uh, JR50 Suzuki, before the PWs came out, that was my first bike. And then a PW, obviously, the first year it came out, I had one of them. Um, but yeah, one, Punka City. You know, back, back then, it was, NMA was Punka City, and AMA was Loretta Lens, and they were week-to-week, -week, you know, back-to-back. And uh, I always shined at Ponca and I won on Peewee's 60s, 80s. And we go to Loretta's and you get a flat or stuck in a mud hole or sheer spark plug off. Or it was always some crazy shit going on at Loretta's. Um, but yeah, basically when, when I quit, I was kind of, let's say, directly behind Bradshaw. You know, I mean, he was their factory Yamaha guy. Um, and then there was a one above him. And then I was behind... I was behind Damon kind of getting, you know, the three free bikes and unlimited parts. And, and actually, funny enough, 
I know you know Tom Halverson over at the road race side of Yamaha. He was oh, yeah. uh, yeah. he was my mechanic when we go to Punk and Loretta's in the motocross days. So we met way oh, wow. back when. It's so it's just a wild story. That's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. Tom's he's a really good guy. That's that's awesome. They they support our podcast. So no, that's that's super cool. I was gonna ask who uh, who were your motor rivals back then, but you kind of touched upon a few of them. Yeah, well, I mean, my let's say my my main guy that was especially on sixties was um, uh, Ezra Lusk. Now, he was a oh, little. Wow. I think it was a year behind me. Um, he'd win one, I'd win one, and we were tit for tat um and then 80s uh, mike brown you know mike brown when he was on 80s uh i had to beat him to win punka he had lower points than me uh, on 85s and uh he had not a bad moto but i won that last moto and ended up bringing home first place on that so i mean there's you know all those guys around that 46 age you know 47 age that they used to moto back then hell i raced with all of them that's crazy. Ezra Law, I, I, that's a name I haven't heard. Man, I haven't heard that in a long time. That's uh, yeah. that's yeah. that's awesome. I think I, I that's just his... telling you how old I am, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it for me to know those names probably too, it shows my age a little bit. But no, that's that's awesome. I, I had no idea those are some of the guys you raced with. A lot of people probably don't know that. So that's that's yeah, phenomenal. I mean, just goofy stories, you know. I mean, Brad Emig and Buddy Antonez and you name it. I mean, all those guys, Emig's dad pulled me out of a mud hole at Loretta's. Um, but you know, we were all just kids back then. Everybody knew everybody and it wasn't near as big as it is now. We went to Loretta, Loretta's last year. It's grown. It's huge now. So, yeah. but it was, it was still fun back then. Yeah. Well, and then 1990, I think I read is, uh, you attended a road race and just full on, you just went road racing, which is, uh, it's a really interesting transition, you know, having that much success in moto and then just deciding, just deciding to, you know, pack up everything essentially and just go to the well, pavement. There's, there's a little bit more to the story of that okay. I was, uh, I was, uh, um, I know, you know, Mike Guerra over at Yamaha, he was, he was my, let's say boss at that time. And I was 14 years old. Um, and I walked at my last moto at, uh, Loretta's that year in 88. Uh, I had already told my dad, I was like, I'm done. I mean, I was 14 years old. I was like 80 pounds. I was the smallest kid out there and just getting the shit kicked out of me. And uh, I was just burnt out. It turned into a job, you know I mean? Come home from school and go out and ride for a couple hours. Come home, wash your gear, wash your bike, clean your filter, maybe get some food, maybe get your homework done. It just turned into being a big pain in the ass. My dad had a real job and my stepmom damn sure wasn't going to do anything. So... It, it just got to be a big pain in the ass. And, uh, and I walked in the truck with Mike Garrett and we sat down face to face, me and this little 14 year old kid. And I was like, man, I'm sorry, Mike, but I'm done. I'm just, and, I mean, they had invested three years in me, you know, pretty hot and heavy. And uh, so then to the, get to the rest of the story, I quit and went and played tennis and my balls dropped and I grew about nine inches. And, and then, um, yeah, girls a little bit, and then uh, 16, we went to a road race, and a guy that I used to kind of mop the floor with very handily, motocross, he's out winning these road races, so I was like, well, that's weird, because, I mean, I know his speed, and I'm like, he's only been doing it a year, so if he can, if he can do it, I know I can do it, so that kind of got the ball rolling, and uh, went out and did a test day, and was like, yeah, okay, it's either go get a real job, or let's see 
how far this two wheel talent can bring me. Yeah. And any regrets kind of for kind of moving away from the, the moto side of it? Like when you started road racing, were you like, man, I kind of want to, I kind of want to go. No, back. shit. No. no, absolutely not. man. I, I I'm telling you, I quit moto at 14 and a half, never got on a motorcycle until my six, 16th birthday and started riding on the street, which is dangerous enough itself at a 16 year old. But, um, and then my dad knew he's like, man, we need to get you on the racetrack and just, let's just go. He was fishing, you know, let's just go see if we can turn this into something. And he could see I was getting a little bit bored and kind of getting in trouble a little bit and not much, but, and he's like, let's go do something. So, uh, you know, my dad, my dad was a pretty solid dude. He kind of knew what direction we needed to go. And, um, yeah, it all turned out for the better. And I, I honestly, I still ride moto a little bit. Um, obviously since Hayes is doing it, but I mean, hell, I'm, uh, I'd much rather sit on the couch and watch that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, man, maybe a return to Loretta's. Is that like, is that an option? Maybe. No, you... no, no, absolutely not. I mean, I ride out of here sometimes and go, dude, you should go qualify for over 45 or whatever. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. No, I'm not doing that. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. Well, I can imagine the grind is still, it's still there to, to even go to Loretta's and do that whole deal. It's, it's not like you just hop off the couch and go do it. It's you know, No, it's a, a big buildup. Yeah. It's a huge effort, a lot of sacrifice. That's really cool, though, that you were a Yamaha guy in your moto days, and then it kind of transitioned all the way up to your uh, your career. That's Well, and see, that was, that was kind of a chance thing, too, because it was like the end of 90, uh, we were doing the six-hour endurance. We are at the GNF, and that's where we saw Tom Halverson sitting on the hill like in turn five or six, I was like, what the hell are you doing here? He goes, well, I'm with the Yamaha guys, you know, road race. So we kind of kept in touch. And then the next year, 91 is when I won, you know, all the novice titles. I think it was 13 total AMA and Weir stuff. So that's when, um, you know, they kind of said, hey, okay, we know you, this kid's got talent. We've worked with him before. And they, they helped us out on the TZ250 program that, that they put together. Yeah, well, I've read, you know, you, you started off, you were big into the 250cc series with AMA when they had that, and you were really successful. You actually won the title over Kenny Roberts Jr. I, I don't know if it was 92, 91 or 92. 92, yeah, 92. 92. Did you know much yeah. about your the guys you were racing? Like, did you know Kenny Roberts then? Like, how was your relationship with him kind of going through that? Yeah, that I mean, honestly – Kenny, Kenny, I mean, as soon as we met first time at Daytona, we were like instant buddies, you know, I mean, it was, he's easy enough, a little bit dry in the sense of humor, which that's just typical Robert's family, I think. Um, but then, yeah, as soon as we had met and then it was like, hey, come out to California. So we went out there and we dirt tracked for a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's from that point on, I mean, still Kenny to this day once he has a couple couple too many beverages he'll call me up at 10 o'clock hey man what's going on <laughs> yeah he's I had him on the show not too long ago and I never met him and man we were like we picked up like a, a friendship really quick man it was like he's such a yeah. easygoing guy to chat with so it was he's pretty great he's it was great. pretty cool and then you went on you rode for Vance and Hines you did uh, a couple years there um and then, you, you know, 1995, uh, all the way into the early 2000s, you did the World Superbike stuff. Um, very successful, obviously. 30-some uh, wins, two titles. Uh, so talk about that transition. What, 
what made you kind of want to leave the States and sort of head overseas? The obvious reason is probably the competition, but what were the opportunities that you kind of got thrown your way? Well, honestly, that was, I had a contract signed and uh, so I did 93, 94 with Vance and Hans Yamaha and I had a contract signed for 95 and 96. Um, but then Yamaha, uh, Japan wanted to put this team together and that was right at the earth you know, five or six whatever years in on World Superbike, and World Superbike was gaining momentum um, at that time. Um, fans were starting to come out. Uh, it was starting to – they're promoting it right. Um, and then so Yamaha said, we need to put a World Superbike team together. And they looked around. You know, the team obviously had to be based in Italy – or not Italy, but in Europe somewhere. But they had a good hole, a foothold in Italy – um, near Monza and Belgarda uh, with a good Italian team that they already had. So Japan, we're going to supply bikes. Uh, they were paying the guy, my teammate, Yamaha US was paying me. Um, Italy was paying for trucks and shop and all that stuff. So it, was, it really was kind of a world effort uh, to kind of get everything together. And that lasted, you know, 95, 96. And then I think it all kind of went full factory, you know, them footing the bill once we started gaining some momentum and the, the series was getting bigger and bigger. And, and then my paycheck started coming directly from, from Japan. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you were in that series for a long time. You had a lot of success. And then um, kind of going through it here, then you, 2003, mm -hmm. that transition you, you made to, to Grand Prix or MotoGP, however you want to word it. But yeah. um, then you went over and rode MotoGP for a, a handful of different teams. Uh, what was the biggest, obviously you're racing Europe and World Superbike for the majority of it. And mm -hmm. you say that transition to MotoGP, it was probably more gradual than probably coming right from America to MotoGP, right? Like how was that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. It was, you know, and, and, um, you know, our bikes that we had, even in World Superbike back then, I mean, a lot, it was factory, you know, I mean, you had factory shits. So it, it wasn't like a U.S. bike that kind of, you know, there is a difference, obviously. So once you go from a factory, you know, Honda World Superbike over to a MotoGP bike, the transition is quite a bit easy. Uh, you know, most of the tracks, there was a few tracks I didn't know. Um, but you know, you jump on the PlayStation and kind of figure it out and, and, you know, kind of know it before you get there, um, or you have a test or whatever that may be. So, but yeah, it was pretty easy. The only major difference, your braking style is completely different. Um, you know, world supers, you had steels, so you, you couldn't just grab everything at once. You had to just kind of let it settle and then you could grab more uh whereas motor gp with the carbons you just grab everything i mean you just grab it all the way to the bar um you know and and then you let off as you get closer so that i had to adapt to a little bit which took you know it takes takes a good six months or whatever because you've been doing it so long for i mean shit i was 29 years old when i went into motor gp so i was already old dude um so yeah, it, it takes a while to learn that braking style. And then the only way I can kind of compare it is, you know, world superbike, a superbike in general is like sitting on a couch. You know, you're on the couch and everything's kind of fluffy and nice. Um, you know, you, and earthquake comes and you can kind of move around on the couch a little bit. Uh, 
on a MotoGP bike, you're sitting on a gosh dang steel bar stool. You know, <laughs> it's just, there's no flex, no give. Uh, that's the only two ways I can kind of compare it. Um, but then once you spend more time on it, more time on it and play with suspension and all that crap, it, uh, it, it becomes more normal. That analogy is phenomenal. I love that. <laughs> it's um, the best way I can describe it. I've described nah, it that way it. for years. I get it, man. When you said that, say it, I, I can feel, I, I've never rode either one, obviously, but man, I, I, I get it. Absolutely. So, um, so in, in MotoGP, obviously at, you know, early two thousands up until 2014, there was a bunch of other Americans in the series. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously Nikki came in, I think it was like, Oh, Oh, well, me and Nikki came in the same year. We oh, okay. came in the same year. Our first race was in Japan. Um, and I knew that track like the back of my hand. I, I'd won three, eight hours there. So we, uh, and we were on that, that approval. I finished sixth and he finished seventh on, on our first, on our first MotoGP race. Wow. Okay. So, and then you had, I'm trying to think the other guys over there. Hopkins was over there. Uh, Kenny Jr. Um, there's a, back then it was you know it was healthy with americans yeah there was a, yeah. a a handful of guys how how was your relationship like with with those with those various other americans like did you guys share notes i probably didn't share notes but did you share you know thoughts at all like how how was that relationship oh like? yeah all, always you know i mean it, it was always chit chat here and there i mean it's home you know and mm -hmm. and you you got guys that that speak the same lingo and you can bullshit with and you can crack jokes and they understand the joke you know what i'm saying so right. you know when it when it comes to you know me and hopkins and junior and and, and you know nikki had a little bit of his own gig going on um i mean it, it wasn't like all of us four hanging out together it wasn't like that nikki kind of had his a, a little bit more separate you know he had like you know family was always over um he always had a couple buddies or whatever around and but it was it was you know we all talked you would see each other in the pit and we'd all just stop and chit chat for a minute and and a lot of it was talking about tires and you know trying to pick each other's brain what are you going to run and what are you going to run and trying to get some inside info right well i want to backtrack just a, a little bit you mentioned the um the eight hour and i kind of want i don't know much about the, i mean i know a little bit about the eight hour obviously but just talking to guys on this podcast you know or you know journalists or things like that when they talk about accomplishments of a rider over over there moto gp world superbike it's shortly followed with what they've done in the suzuka eight hour um and i i don't know the prestige of that event but i know you were teammates with haga and rossi and some other guys and you won it you said a few times right so yeah. What what made that event so special and so prestigious for for all yeah. the top guys to do it? Honestly, it it's a lot of your big paychecks at that time were coming out of Japan. I mean, they always you're coming out of Japan from the factory. So, and for Japanese prestige, you know, save a face. If you gotta you gotta hang out with some Japanese folks for a while to kind of understand what I'm saying. Um, it it's the biggest race in the world to them because it's on their home soil. They spend for the eight hour budget. I think it was equal or more to our world Superbike budget. Um, and it's only for one race. So, you know, you've got a bunch of crew that got to get it right. Then all they do is practice, 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 fuel stops, tire changes, all the trick, uh, quick change shit. I mean, 
keeping fuel cold uh, because it's a million degrees there. I mean, it's so much effort that goes into it. And then on a rider side and mechanic side, you know, we'd have to leave Monday after Brands Hatch or whatever, fly over, test for two days. But when I say two days, that means you're you're riding from 9.30 to 10.30, and then you're riding from 1 to 2.30. So you get basically three hours a day. That's all you get, and you better use it wisely. Um, so it was a big effort, but we, we go there three times a year and test. So we're hopping over to Japan and then come back and race, hopping over to Japan, come back and race. So it's just a huge effort. And it, it's a, it was Japan's Japan's biggest, biggest race. And I think there was, I don't know, 200,000 people or something like that at one point. It's a, it's just massive and it's like in a park you know got the ferris wheel and they got all the rides and all that crap so it's a it's a full-on entertainment week um but yeah it, it generates lots of revenue and it generates lots of bike sales whoever wins it that's right i didn't know that that sounds like a good time have you ever yeah. gone over and watched the uh, isle of man when you were over there? oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. how's that <laughs> it's good it's good well peter hickman comes here every year for the racer camp and we've just become really good friends and uh and all my whole crew my whole boot camp crew so we just he said y'all should come over we'll figure it out got a place to stay and so and then we got in touch with david knight um which which is a buddy of his also so we we got in with david knight and he had us I don't know, four or five bikes and, uh, you know, 300s, 350s, you know, all KTM stuff. Um, but we jumped over and got over to Knight's place. Uh, and then he would just take us around the inside of the course. And we just go hop from corner to corner over the hills, over the mountains, down dirt roads on uh, on enduro bikes. And it was a blast, man. We had so much fun. I, I got J- Joe P. That's kind of my main guy here at boot camp. He went last year as well. So or not last year, year before, whatever. Or, yeah. So he's been a couple times. I've I've actually been a couple times. I went back in 2002, I believe. Yeah, it's a great event, man. I mean, it's when you can get there, get there. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, it's on my list for sure. What would it take for uh, for for you to do that event? Was it never? Um, <laughs> like absolutely never. Not a possibility. No, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm completely out. Yeah, I'm probably the same, man. I just. Yeah, the weird crazy. thing is because you look at it on TV and you, you think those guys are crazy, but when you're there, you can literally get six inches on the inside of the corner and they come by you at 190 mile an hour or some crap. And it's like, that guy's freaking nuts, dude. Cause you're riding on a, what, maybe a 16 foot road. I don't know. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of move in a little bit and talk about your boot camp. Uh, it's been going, I don't know. It's, it's, it seems like it's been going on for a long time now and 20 acre facility. You guys have the, have the school, the camp, um, you're, you're shooting guns. You're it's, it's I, from everybody I've, I've known that has went, you know, Robert Miller is pretty close to me and all those guys. And Jake Johnson's obviously a good friend of mine. And um, I've heard it's just a blast. Uh, you guys have a really good time with it. And what kind of prompted you to, to get into that, like, where did your love from dirt track come from and how did that all get started? Okay. So back in 92, when Kenny Jr. invited me out to his place, that's all we did. I mean, they had XR 100s with, you know, kind of road tires, slick tires on the back. And 
you know, Felice was out there. Kaczynski was out there. Wayne Rainey was out there. I mean, everybody and their dog was out there training, you know, on these little XR 100s. And I had never even knew about it. So we came home. I came home and I was like, that's it. So we, in 92, bought those little 100s, found a little piece of land on the other side of the tracks and built a track. And that, that was training. Um, and then I kind of moved out here on the lake. And I found, uh, I found this 20 acres, like in 03, I believe. And it was, they had kind of raped all the topsoil off of it, used it for that. And, uh, all it was, was red clay. I was like, well, shit, that's perfect. That's all I want. I just want some yeah. red clay. And, uh, so, and I got it super cheap because the guys, when they rape all the topsoil, they think I will, you know, now they, they devalued it. It was super cheap. So I thought, okay, yeah, I'll buy that. And, uh. And then it was probably, we did that for, hell, I don't know, maybe six or seven years. I built a little shop here and just kept the toys in it. We come out on whenever, when everybody could get together. And, and generally we go out and ride. Uh, everybody kind of had their, or my buddies, you know, that, my boot camp crew actually that are still here. Um, and we go ride and then eventually, you know, we stop riding you know, crack open a beer to start telling some bullshit. Then the guns come out or maybe it'd be the guns and then the beer out. Or anyways, it <laughs> doesn't really matter. Uh, then the Tannerite would come out. We blow some shit up. And so anyways, long story short, uh, Mike Myers, a good buddy of mine. And he was like, Hey, uh, I think people pay to come do this. And I was like, I, I would, I'd already discussed with my wife about doing some kind of school or I don't know. I wanted to kind of give back some of the knowledge that I have I mean it'd be a shame to crawl in the dirt and not not try and share you know what I'm saying so yeah. um so yeah and then the idea kind of developed into people can stay at a hotel and then meet us here and I was like no nah, that ain't gonna happen I've been to those places I don't like them that much uh let's just build a hotel here everybody stays on camp we have campfires at night we can, all the camaraderies here we all hang out together and uh, it's been awesome. I mean, uh, quick story, real quick. Like, I don't know, maybe our first or second year, everybody's excited to come. And we had three guys from Malaysia. We had a guy from Germany and a guy from the UK. And they're, they're all just big fans. You know, they just want to come over and hang out. Right. And so they hang out and we're all bullshitting, drinking beers and playing ping pong and all that, whatever. Um, well, I go to Malaysia later that year and I'm racing, you know, I'm still, I think this was 2011. I think I was still in tech three and here's this Malaysian dude walking around with the German and the English dude. And I was like, what the hell are you, what are y'all doing here? So they met here, you know, they met here at boot camp, and they were like, we want to come to Malaysia. So anyways, the, the, the Malaysian's guy's wife, cooking them breakfast and dinner and they just come to the racetrack and hang out all day and i was like that's a pretty cool story you know they never and they're still friends you know they still that's talk crazy. so it, they never would have met if they didn't come to boot camp <laughs> i mean the list of guests you you guys have had is is phenomenal i mean you've had you've had rossi right you've had um a spot um Alish. i'm trying to think all the guys that have who are they some of the top guys that have come i've, over? I've got a i've got a, a wall of jerseys as soon as you go in boot camp turn to the right uh, i mean we've had stoner rossi carmichael i mean you name it you know oh, they wow. they've been here so it's uh it's a good time that's right yeah that's cool uh a couple more questions and i'll, I'll let you go um 
I wanted to get your thoughts because right now overseas, it seems like we're getting some American resurgence, which is, which is good. I mean, there's some guys over there now that are competing in Moto2, uh, Joe and Cam, and then Gerloff is, is doing well in, in World Superbike. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on those guys over there, and what do you think their ceiling is for, for, their, for their career overseas? Yeah, um, Joe, uh, you know, I've known Joe for a long time. Um, I mean, I was there when he was Red Bull rookie, um, and it was kind of patchy, and he won at uh, Brno. That was his first Red Bull rookie win. And But we, I had known him, we were in the same paddock. So good kid, great kid, grown up, uh, you know, his, his mom and dad are cool. Um, and I, Cameron, I, Cameron, I don't know great you know i mean I, i've never spent a whole lot of time with him uh i just know he's fast um and then Gerloff, i mean Gerloff's been out here a number of times uh, he was just out here a few weeks ago we got a new moto track in the back he was out here moto and um but i had a conversation with Gerloff. i believe i was coming home from a trip and i believe i was i was driving home from the airport and he had just won I think his first 600 race and I think or he was right there in the conversation and he called me man what's your advice what I need to do what what do you think I said listen if you win by half a second nobody gives a shit if you win by one second nobody gives a shit if you get out front and you demoralize stomp and rip their head off and win by eight seconds in an eight lap race that's saying something you know I mean you you have to to get people to understand that you are something you literally have to dominate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only way it's going to move forward. So I don't know. I don't know if that helped out or not, but it was, it was the only advice I had at the moment because you had, you know, everybody was happy to win here by two tenths, you know, or three tenths. So oh, I just beat them to the line. And then, and in the world stage, it's not like that. It's, it's not like that whatsoever. Right. Yeah, I just what do you, do you think those guys can get to that that level that that top MotoGP level? I mean, what what's it going to take for them? Because I know a lot of people ask, like, you know, what what's that difference in, from Moto Two to, to MotoGP? Um, you know, obviously the bikes are f- very different, but um, the competition level at that highest level is is just tough. And- hey, and if you if you can run if you can run top Moto Two you're a badass i mean i'm you're that i i wouldn't want to race in that class hell no um <laughs> which is why i never did <laughs> it, uh, no those guys they're they're just a bunch of axe murderers man i mean they they just do not give a shit uh, they'll chop you up left and right i do feel that motor gp had the, you know you're up there those guys they have a little more respect i think for each other you know you're up there you're at the top upper echelon there's there's nowhere else to go um whereas the motor two guys they're trying to get there so but i think they all have a bright future to be honest with you i'm i'm excited uh the one i know the best would be garrett so you know i I, if i had a a favorite in that three in that trio would be garrett but but i think they all have a bright future right on um for the moto gp stuff this season how how active how active do you follow moto gp moto america american flat track uh maybe motocross like what what disciplines do you follow the most okay so to be completely honest with your motocross (laughs) because that's what hayes wants to watch motocross and 
I'm usually changing that top end or some shit whenever MotoGP's coming on. So I got to record it and then go back home, not check social media, which I hardly ever look at social media anymore, to be honest. But <laughs> anyways, um, no, I follow all of it. Um, dirt track, when I catch it. I mean, Joe here at camp, he's like, have you seen this race? And he'll catch me up on it. Um, he records everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I'm home, you know, I'm watching. I got three girls and a boy and, and a, a wife. So I, I, I can't just sit on the couch and veg out. And I, I do kind of the family thing when I'm home and watch what everybody yeah. wants to watch. Absolutely. I can respect that. Who, anybody impression MotoGP this year? I mean, who you, who you got to uh, take take the title this year? Yeah, you know, before the, I think it was after the first race and I did done a podcast with, so I can't remember. Um, and, and I still had my money on, on Joe and Mir just because he mm -hmm. won it last year. Um, yep. He was so consistent. Um, and I would, I would, you know, obviously, Quattraro, there is, like I said, a huge difference going from a satellite team to a factory team like he did. And it's showing, you know, he's just kind of dominating right now, Quattraro. So I think he's going to be hard to beat. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's still, still kind of early days. But uh, if I had to put my money down now, it'd be on Quattraro. Yeah, it's that's a price. That's a safe bet. It's hard to kind of look yeah. at what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, he, he's definitely stepped it up. Uh, one last question, man. I obviously I mentioned I'm good friends with Jake Johnson. He lives pretty close to me, and he had his bagger racing debut this past weekend, and and Corey West was out there. <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh on, <laughs> on Jake's Jake's bagger career, man? <laughs> Dude, I saw that. Where was the first? Was it Laguna or something last year? Or yeah the first Laguna. one i saw anyways was laguna um but yeah i mean it's it's comical <laughs> Almost, <laughs> i mean i get it it's something to go do and just be different and fun but man it sure looks funny with the bags hanging off the damn thing dragging dragging shit all over the track but no i mean the hats off to him i mean jake is awesome i love that guy to death Corey as well and it, if they're out there having fun, I saw a picture. Somebody, I think they sent a group thread picture where they were like, you know, arm around each other, the bagger crew or some shit. But uh, yeah, hats off to them having fun. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it again. Uh, you coming on. I, I got to get out there some one of these days, me and Shane. I, we, I know we, we planned to do it at one point and we just didn't get out there. So eventually, man, I'd like to come check the camp out and and I uh, get to meet you face to face. But I, I like, again, appreciate you taking time and uh, coming on chatting with me. You got it, man. Hey, our Halloween camp is almost fully booked, so we're uh, we'll be having a big camp Halloween this year. So y'all come on if y'all can. All right, well, I appreciate it, Colin. Once again, I'll chat with you soon. All right, cool. We'll see you. Have a good one. All right, see you later, Colin Edwards. Man, guy, that guy's awesome. Uh, so much I could. I I want to ask him about. Uh, just it's hard to with to cover a course of a career in in a quick podcast, but. Yeah, I wanted to wanted to talk to him a little about the Bagger Cup, dude. I I love the Bagger. I think it's great. Um, I don't know if if it I if I was gonna do a Moto America race, it's kind of a toss up between the Bagger and the Twins Cup. I'd probably be better on a Twin because I race a Twin in flat track. Obviously, it's different dirt, the pavement, but just the fucking idea of racing a Bagger though, it's so hard to not want to do that. I mean, uh, yeah, and Jake. Jake Johnson did pretty well on that thing. I think he qualified fifth and maybe finished fifth. 
I'm trying to get get Jake on the line here before we close this pod. It's been a while since we chatted with Jake, and what better time than than uh, a Colin Edwards pod the week after his Bagger debut? So let's see if we can get Jake on the line here. Actually, let's uh, let me just text Jake quick and see if I can get him to call me because definitely wouldn't mind getting some insight on the Bagger. But with that being said, well, I texted Jake. Well. Wait for him to shoot me back a, a response here. I think he's Jake's work. He works a real job now. He's he's a plumber, so <laughs> I, I don't know if he's got time. But yeah, maybe we'll see what he's got going on. But yeah, Lima this weekend was was awesome. It, when it comes to prestigious race, prestige racetracks, prestigious prestige uh, on the schedule right now, American Flat Track Lima is is one of the top ones. I would I would think that Springfield. Peoria and Lima. Lima would probably be a th- uh, on the podium right now for iconic racetracks currently on the schedule. So Cushion Half Mile, we don't really have many many of them left anymore. Unfortunately, when I turned pro, you know we had Greenville, we had the Monticello, we had Columbus, uh, like Vernon, New York was a mile. What was a cushion we did? There's a lot more cushions and. I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe because like the fairgrounds, the facilities are, are pretty shanty, a lot of these racetracks and outdated, you know, so maybe that's the reason we don't go to many, but we still go to Lima. I like cushion racetracks a lot. I just, I've never really liked Lima. Um, the shape of it is more of like a big circle. I'm more of like a point and shoot kind of guy. I like more paperclip style racetracks. Lima gets super rough it's it's a big circle i've never had a setup really at lima that i've been stoked on but to go there we qualified ninth i was ninth in practice i was not having a very good time it's frustrating when you're not fast (laughs) um but then we went out in the semi finished second a close second i felt really good track was starting to brush off i felt i felt good and then before the main events they they reprepped the tracks made it deep and our package on our bikes right now, I just sort of struggle with the uh, with the deep and fluffy cushion racetracks. But we were able to get a third out of it. We we're in the mix, and that was that was rad. To um, you know, I'm obviously want to you want to win, obviously, but you know, it was a decent result for for us. So that was that was good. Johnny Lewis took the win. Good for him and his team. Uh, that Royal Enfield works. It works really good. You know, people joke around about the air cooled bike, but a lot of those, a lot of the time, you know, the XR 750 is an air-cooled bike. So, um, did I, I might've called it an air-cooled Indian air-cooled Royal Enfield. <laughs> um, I did that on my Facebook too, but no, it's yeah. That bike works, get, works well, um, on some racetracks. I think that that would be, uh, that bike's going to be a weapon. It'll be good. And Johnny's a, a good aggressive rider. So, um, hats off to them for, for their result. And, Super Twins was super fun to watch, Briar and Brandon. I knew kind of after my main event, uh, obviously Brandon was, uh, from what I saw, I didn't get to watch too much, man. I was focused on trying not to suck, but I, I, I knew Brandon, he was kind of, he was kind of dominating the day, but after my main event, I felt like Briar had a shot just because the track, it changed drastically after the semis. Um, and then he, he pulled off a win, man. And good for Briar to, to get a win. It was a good race. Him and, him and Brandon were, going at it and that's it's always good to see a good race like that and then uh wiles man i gotta say wiles was impressive on the single uh obviously he's he's a good cushion rider in general but he was 
he was barely he barely lifted on that 450 he was he was on the gas it looked like he was shifting too it looked like he would throw it in the third gear going into the corner basically hold the bitch wide open and uh they were running like the bottom the bottom of the racetrack which was different than we've seen in years past and uh he would p- grab fourth off the corner and yeah he 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 was real impressive so he had a he had a good result there um but no the fans are fans of lime are awesome i had so many people come up and talk about the, the podcast <laughs> uh, i saw a lot of podcast tees and hats and th- that makes me smile i love i love hearing that shit so you guys you guys are awesome definitely appreciate the uh the support there this coming weekend i'm actually going to do frederick the barbara fritchie classic in frederick maryland so looking forward to that i've i've had some success at that race over the years my my good friend uh good friends the riley family ian richard brent riley they they put the race on fredericktown yamaha is the the biggest supporter so happy to go there and support my sponsors and uh and race in frederick on the fourth of july i'm a little bummed i'm gonna miss the hot dog eating contest the uh nathan's hot dog eating contest one of my favorite sports is uh competitive eating um (laughs) not actually but i do love watching that that event that's that joey chestnut he's the goat when it comes to hot dog eating contests um but anyway yeah so we'll, we'll be out of frederick on the 4th of july um pretty hype on that uh let's uh let's see if i can get jake on i think jake said he said he's done at three o'clock we're recording right now it's 256 so we'll get jake on the line here before we wrap this up i want to talk with jake a little bit <laughs> On the line, the bagger racing son of a gun himself, Jake Johnson. What's up, man? Oh, man, that's just, uh, man, just recovering from the weekend. It was uh, a <laughs> hell of a time. <laughs> a lot happened. Uh, a lot of sketchy moments, a lot of fun moments, but uh, it was good. Yeah, I was just, dude, a, a lot to talk about, but I'm just, what the hell, how did this even happen? How did this become, I'm jealous, by the way, but how did this become a thing? <laughs> well, to be honest, when I first saw they were going to do this at Laguna last year, I thought it was the dumbest thing that anybody ever thought of ever. You know, I thought they were going <laughs> to... I, they were gonna. I thought they were gonna kill riders. They were gonna kill people in the stands. It was gonna be a disaster. And then uh, I saw the race, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like these guys have their shit together. Like you know, bikes. They're still baggers, but they got good brakes on them, good suspension. Like it's like, oh man, that, that looks pretty cool. So uh, yeah, over the winter, you know, I wasn't planning on doing anything flat track wise this year, so. Uh, my buddy Corey West uh, messaged me. He's like, "Hey, uh, you interested in riding a bagger?" I'm like, "I guess, yeah, why not?" He's like, "Yeah, there's a couple of guys or whatever, and looking for a rider, you know." And da da da. I'm like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, throw my name out there." So I didn't think anything was gonna come of it, and then uh, all of a sudden, phone rings one day, and it's uh, Robbie Lane from uh, Alloy Art. I uh, want me to ride the bike, and. I was like, well, that was, that was the first oh shit moment. Like, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll ride it. And, uh, so yeah, you know, kind of made the deal. And, uh, a few weeks later flew out to, uh, 
California to Chuck Walla to test. And then <laughs> that's when things got real. Um, you know, it, was, uh, it seemed like a great idea until I sat on that thing and went, holy shit, what did I get myself into? But um, that's been good. It's kind of been a process, uh, getting the bike sorted, getting myself sorted. Um, you know, I haven't road raced in hell, 15 years. So, uh, so everything was kind of new. <laughs> everything was kind of new to me. So, or new again. Um, but yeah, we got some test time in, um, leading up to the race and, uh, yeah, it went shit. We went like a hundred percent better than I expected. So, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm looking forward to the next one already. So it's pretty crazy. Like you just said, you're not a road racer and the guys you were, I saw you on qualifying with, and then I think you probably battled with in the race. It was like Corey West who accomplished road racer, Bostrom, uh, Tyler O'Hara, Michael Barnes. And you were, you kind of held your own dude. Like (laughs) you did really good. You did really good. So uh it, it it probably i don't know it, it couldn't have been that bad really riding it right i mean it's like what is it like to kind of throw that thing around like what can you describe it to is it worse than racing an 883 in flat track uh no it's better <laughs> um, it's better yeah it's uh it's weird like i wasn't sh- I, I was still a little unsure through all the track days and everything and because i never really like I didn't want to find the limit on a test day and toss that thing, you know, like there's a lot of shit to rip off that thing if you crash it. So, uh, I, you know, I don't want to crash it anyway, but I definitely didn't want to crash it just on a, a track day or whatever. So I was a little bit unsure. It's like, man, I feel pretty good, but I'm not going that fast. And obviously as the race weekend went on, you know, it's just like every time I hit the track, I went, you know, from the first session to the second session, I picked up three seconds. And then every time after that, it was like, I'd pick up a second, pick up a second, pick up a second. Um, but, you know, I guess I haven't quite found the limit yet. I mean, you can't find the limit to crash, but there was some moments where it was like, wow, that was, yeah, that was a little, got in there a little too deep, pushing a little too hard. But the, the crazy thing is they, they give you a lot of warning. Um, like my, previous road race experience like on a 600 or or something like that like i would have a hundred percent grip and then crashed like there was no i mean i guess i didn't have the feel or what but it was like i had no warning everything was great and then it was on the ground so these things it's just like they're they're eight feet uh, probably 10 feet long you know the wheelbase is enormous um the things are 600 pounds so they do a lot of moving around but they do it really slow, um, mm. you know, because there was a few times where I actually got the thing to spin up, uh, like especially in the race, we were pushing so hard off the exit of the corners. Like, I don't think it was so much like a, a power slide off the corners. I think it was just, you know, inertia. You know, you got 600 pounds trying to go that way. You're trying to go this way. So the things were starting to slide around. And, you know, I'm expecting like uh, a road race bike where you, if you spin that thing up and it hooks up, it fucks your ass out of the seat and does a bunch of crazy shit. But I don't think they'll do that. Uh, at least I haven't, I haven't found that limit yet, but uh, the, the best I could describe it, it's like riding, it's like riding a 600 pound XR 100. 
Like you just ride the living <laughs> shit out of it. And it's not made to do that. The thing's going to flex and make all kinds of noise and shit's going to fall off of it and bend and twist. And, but it's real forgiving. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I mean, how, it was a lot of fun. How serious was it? Like, were you guys going for blood? Like were, were, were some of the guys taking it pretty serious? I mean, I saw Michael Barnes, he like kind of, I mean, he was him and Tyler, they were flying. Like a, was it, was it, how serious was it? And B like as fast as you went, what do you have to do to like catch up to those top two guys at the next one? Man, I don't like, yeah, that was the thing. Like Barney and O'Hara, they were, they were pretty much in like a league of their own all weekend. Um, you know, like shit from the first practice on, it was like, it was pretty tight between like myself, Corey, uh, Bostrom and Narbonne. Like we were all within a second of each other, like O'Hara and Barney, they were like three, four seconds ahead of us, like, you know, all weekend. So I wasn't even concerned about them. Like I was like, that, you know, that wasn't even in the cards. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it got, well, those two were serious. I mean, they're, you know, obviously like Tyler, I mean, that's a factory freaking effort. So like, you know, me, I, you know, I had two beers in my, uh, in my, in my bag for after the race on the track. So, but, <laughs> but it was, it was funny. Like, I mean, one of the reasons why I kind of, pulled back from the flat track stuff this year like i mean there's a million reasons but one of them was just like i was just <laughs> i was just burnt out like you know I, no matter what like um you know you get that that nervous that nervous feeling before the race you know and, and like on race day and i was just like sick of that i was just tired of it like i do i like i'm tired of being stressed out i got enough enough other shit to stress about in my life you know, I don't, I don't need, need that. So, you know, as the weekend was going, like I was a little bit nervous and, but like an hour before the race, like that feeling set in and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is supposed to be fun. Why are you putting yourself through this shit? Like I'm, I'm studying lap times and like trying to, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I guess the, the racer comes out no matter what. Right. Yeah. You're competitive, man. Yeah. And, and me being in the hunt made it worse. Like I was expecting, uh, like going into the weekend, like I was going to use like Corey West as my gauge, like he's, you know, road race, you know, grew up flat tracking, but road race, you know, majority of his career. So I knew I wasn't going to just jump on and, and think, you know, I was going to be able to just come out and run his pace. So, you know, I was just hoping to be within a second or two or whatever of him. And, you know, I come in after the first session and we're like, we're running the same lap times. I'm like, Oh, well, shit, maybe he had a problem or something, you know, and we go out the next session and we're like running, you know, like, we, you know, we both went two seconds faster, you know, the next one, we both go a second faster. Like, you know, I was like, well, I guess it's, I guess me and him are going to be battling this whole deal, but, um, and the podium was in sight. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I came down to the end, like, man, I was, I was there, um, you know, it kind of as the race went on, I was learning. Like, I mean, I was on those guys' pace, obviously the pace picked up, you know, come race time. So I was kind of yo-yoing back and forth at the, at the tail end of that, uh, that pack. And, uh, Narbonne was in there. He was on some 200 horsepower turbocharged thing. And it was like, he just <laughs> blow our doors off down the straightaway. And, 
you know, so I'm like, well, shit, I was faster than him, but now I'm behind him. I can't pass him. So I'm just kind of, I was just kind of hanging back, trying to learn what I could and was picking up some lines and some different things from those guys. And, you know, at the end, I was like, I found myself like right on him. And uh, I think Ben was having some issues towards the end and uh, like the last lap and a half, two laps. And I could tell like he was starting to get a little protective and, you know, I kind of was eyeing Corey up a little bit and I'm like, well, shit, I, you know, there's nowhere to go. So I was just waiting for Corey to do something. And uh, sure enough, last lap, you know, going in the, you know, the third to last corner, he stuffed it in there on Ben and pushed him wide. And I kind of, I was trying to go with him through the left and we flicked it back right. And I was up around the outside of Ben and uh, it was obviously a right-hander, which was my, not my strong suit. So I, I was thinking about just trying to burn it around the outside and then stuff him back in the left, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. So I kind of checked up, squared him up, and then tried to square him up off the last corner and just didn't quite time it right. And he had a little bit more motor than me and, uh, you know, ended up still, you know, ended up stiff. It wasn't able to get him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when I came off the track, like, obviously I want to do better than fifth, but I mean, to battle with, those guys and you know especially ben bostrom for you know in a road race no matter what you know yeah. whether it's on baggers or whatever it is it was like well hell i call that a win for me so um you know there's only only one way to go but up from here so um so i was happy with it hell yeah man the fact that you have pictures of you road racing a bagger that's a win like that's <laughs> Dude, just seeing your seeing your kit, like your bike's pretty sharp looking. That the bagger was pretty cool. Like it's a nice. It seemed like a pretty cool bike. Yeah, yeah. The guys at Alloy Art, they did uh, did a good job. I mean, the thing's changing too. It's like every time I ride it, there's something majorly different on it. Like, um, and that's what's that's what's kind of cool about this whole thing is, um, you know, obviously like Barney and you know their guys and. O'Hare on the Indian. I mean, obviously they they're a, a bit ahead right now, but um, but it's still all new. Like nobody really knows exactly what works, um, which is cool. And then it's right. kind of scary at the same time because it's like we're on bikes that are meant to cruise down the highway at 2,500 RPMs, and we're just reaming the dog shit out of them. So um, yeah, you know the things could just grenade sky high at any time. So. That's a little bit nerve wracking. Um, I did cover myself in oil, like through my boots, in my, like my socks were covered in oil so bad. Um, at the oh, end of qualifying. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, like I said, it's cool. Like, you know, the, just to see, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's almost like going back to the 70s or something, you know. If, Obviously, I wasn't born yet, but if I could imagine what motorcycle racing in the 70s was, that's bagger racing. You know, just the <laughs> the looseness of it, you know, just like, you know, hanging out, having a beer, you know, it, like drinking beer on the track after the race, you know, pulling one out of a saddlebag and and uh, just the, the, you know, the Harley technology is obviously not, you know, not quite 21st century i guess or however you'd say it i mean it's not a you know it's not an r1 or it's not a cbr 1000 right, or whatever right. you know? so it's older technology and 
you know, everybody's just happy to be there and having a good time and all kind of sharing information and um, trying new yeah. things. Um, I'm sure that's, that's going to change. I'm sure that's going to change. I'm <laughs> sure it's, it's just like anything. It's just going to get more and more serious as it go. But um, hopefully it doesn't. Uh, hopefully it, it stays like this. And uh, What's but, the next one you're doing? Are you going to do the Moto America round? Or are you just doing that series? or? Uh, yeah, just uh, as of right now, just doing the BRL rounds. Um, there's supposed to be a round two. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be yet. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're uh, – I know they had some venues uh, in the works. Um, you know, they were trying to get ironed out. But I, I kind of think they were just waiting to see how this first event went. And I think – I mean, at least from what I saw, uh, and you know, the look on uh, Rob Bidos's face afterwards, it, it seemed like it was a success. So um, I'm sure they're uh, they're going to be working hard to get uh, get whatever round two is going to be. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I I, I had badass. I had no idea where I stood going into the thing. Like everybody's asking, well, "How do you feel? How do you feel?" I'm like, "What?" I haven't crashed the bike yet. So I guess I feel all right, you know, but it's like, I don't know if I suck. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I, I had no idea where I stood, which was maybe a good thing, you know, cause I just kind of just went out there and rode. And I was like, I saw the qualifying. I was like, Oh shit. I was like, he's right there, dude. It was cool to see. I definitely, um, definitely if you, cause I couldn't find results or anything. So the next one you do, like keep sharing the the result, like keep sharing some of that stuff on your pages. Cause I, it was kind of hard to find results, you know, um, a new series. It's hard to find kind of what, what's going on, but yeah, dude, it was, it was, it was pretty cool to see. And it's, it's, it's even cooler to see like that you're having fun and stuff at the track. Like that's, that's kind of what it's all about. So that's, that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's what I, you know, I guess people that know me know that I haven't had fun racing motorcycles for a long time. <laughs> it's sad to say, but it's been a long time since I've had fun racing a motorcycle. So, um, it was definitely, definitely cool. And, and, uh, you know, I think the first thing I said after I came off the track, I'm like, that is the most fun I've ever had on a motorcycle in my life, you know, or at least in a long time. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. and I don't know what it was like. I mean, it's, it's, it's it weird. It's like, riding a bagger like it's itself it's not really that fun like the thing it's it's forgiving but it's i mean it's hard to ride like it's you know there was one section of the track where there was like i don't know road racing got all these turns that you know each corner is named something different where you know i'm like that yeah that that turned back there you know turns there i don't know that went back there <laughs> and I, I don't know i guess yeah. they called it like the attitudes or something it was like uh you know down the straightaway and then there was like a left and then like kind of like some s's downhill and i mean to flick that thing back and you know to left back to right back to left again you know getting all that weight swung back and forth um will definitely wear you out like i remember after qualifying uh because me and Corey west actually hooked up together for a lap and that's when we both did our best lap you know qualified fourth or fifth or whatever we were and uh, the next morning we went even a little quicker in qualifying or in morning practice. And I was like, man, you know, I went over to Corey after I was like, Hey, you don't plan on going that whole pace for, you know, that pace for the whole race. Do you <laughs> like, 
I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm the same. I don't really want to go that fast either. either. But once we got into it, I mean, we ended up going another second faster and uh, had a blast. So I mean, it's it cool nice. when you're racing with your buddy, like Corey, obviously, and Ben's a good guy. Like, it's cool that the guys you're racing with are all, are all pretty chill dudes, too. I mean, if you threw in somebody – somebody more aggressive i won't mention any names but you, you're probably thinking of some guys like it probably wouldn't be as fun but yeah um, but the, the fact that you had had some solid dudes to race with that's that's awesome i gotta there's gotta be videos somewhere right like can we go on and watch it anywhere or? yeah if, yeah if you go on uh fight.tv uh it'll still be on there i think it's uh it's like 14.99 um to watch the okay. whole race uh just the stuff on sunday there were some other classes too some like they have like a hooligan class with like sportsters and then uh like a pro stock bagger class then a big twin class and then obviously the the premier you know bagger gt class so um so that'll be up on there you know it's the same um if anybody watched the the flat track fight club or the moto fight club or any of that stuff on yep. the same, yep. same platform fight.tv so um you check it out if somebody told you 10 years ago that you know let's say right around when you were like winning your championships in flat track if somebody told you hey jake in 10 years from now you're gonna skip lima to do road racing on a bagger what what would you what would you say well i know you don't love lima yeah i mean yeah lima's maybe a bad example i would have probably said hell yeah no matter what when it was i would (laughs) i would have rather done anything in the world probably than than race lima oh, um, i feel you i feel but uh <laughs> but no yeah no i would uh yeah i wouldn't have believed you and that and i it's, feel like so crazy i feel like an asshole too kind of like in the whole harley world like like i you know was fortunate enough to like i rode for factory harley but i know nothing about harley davidson street bikes like nothing and, you know like the models or this or that like people are asking me like oh you know you know Oh, bagger! What is it? Road glide, street glide, this glide? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's a big ass freaking bike, and it's got bags on the side of it and a fairing on the side. I don't know. Like, it, you know, <laughs> is it twin cam motors and an M8? Is it this? Is it that? Like, dude, I don't know. It's got some massive, like, 130 cubic. It's like 2,000 cc's. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I, so you know, I kind of have to. You know, I feel bad. I'm gonna have to. Uh, do some research and, and learn about my Harleys a little bit because I kind of, uh, you know, it's like uh, I don't know. I, I did kind of feel all out of sorts because I know nothing about road racing. I know nothing about Harleys, and I'm at this place that we're road racing Harleys, and I know nothing about anything. So you know, I'm just trying <laughs> to I'm just trying to soak in whatever I can and not sound stupid. So, um, but it was cool. It was good, and I, I was really surprised like going into the weekend. Like, you know, I'm like, man, I'm going to be there for like three days. I'm not even really going to know anyone. Like, you know, I know my guys, you know, and, you know, Corey West and Patricia and like a few other people, but like, man, I'm not going to know anyone, but I get there and I'm like running into people that I haven't seen for years. And it was like, I was like, man, I know more people here than I do at an AFT event anymore. Like like well pretty cool you know the the vibes are probably different too aft races you know a shit ton of people but you always turn the other you always turn the other way yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, ah, oh, shit, you again. So, that's so good. Nah, man, that's cool. We we had Colin on earlier, and uh, I my last question was, hey, man, what are your thoughts on the debut bagging uh the bagger career of, of jake johnson he started cracking up dude, it, so. <laughs> yeah he probably thinks we're a bunch okay. of morons but <laughs> yeah i don't know dude he was hype he seemed pretty hype he's like dude that's so cool they're having fun i love it yeah like, dude get get on one get on one let's go <laughs> yeah uh, one more question for you i'm kind of curious what it maybe colin's the answer but who uh who who would crush it on a bagger like who would who who hasn't raced one right now that you think would crush it like what like who's whose style would it fit oh, a rider because there's been some say. good riders that have jumped on them that have sucked like heron didn't do good on it um i thought eslick would have did better and he didn't really do super awesome on it i mean maybe their baggers were shit but um yeah i don't know like who <laughs> Is there guy? Is there somebody that you thought of? Like, man, this dude would probably be pretty quick on it. Um, well, I mean, I think Eslick is going to be a madman on one. I, it, but after riding, you know, and just like the changes we made to the bike that I'm riding over a short, short amount of time, like there's a big difference between a good bike and a not so good bike. So yeah, um, you know, so if you're missing a few parts and pieces or a few things like, yeah, you, you can be out to lunch pretty quick. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's, it's those guys that like, like a Tyler O'Hara, like just a jack of all trades, right? Like he's flat track done, you know, pretty decent road race, done pretty decent supermoto, like, supermoto. you know, same with Shane Narbonne, like he's done a little bit of everything, um, you know, Danny, obviously, he's done more road racing than anything else, but, like, he's kind of done a little bit of everything. Um, you know, it seems like those all-around type of guys are the ones that seem to excel. We need, like, we need Schnabel, we need Murph, we need <laughs> Hacker. We need, we, can you imagine, dude? That'd be so good. That'd be so good. Yeah, uh, I, think Hacker, was... I think Hacker might be a little too small. I don't know if he'd be able to, I don't know <laughs> if he'd be right. able to wrestle that thing, but. Now, Dude, I, uh... I remember I rode a bagger when I was like 12 or 13. I, uh, I jumped on it to move it like around to the, around to the side of the Harley shop. And, uh, I remember some like a car pulled out in front of me. I was on like a screaming Eagle, like super nice $30,000 bike. And I, I fucking flipped it. I crashed it. I, <laughs> I, I, t- I tipped it over. I went to stop. I pulled the front brake. I was like 60 pounds and I just, the bike like crushed my hand, like, my dad came out, just looked at, I like ran away. (laughs) They're big bikes, man. Like they're, they're huge. Yeah. That's the hardest part is like coming, coming in and out of the pit. Like (laughs) once you get rolling, you know, cause I always wondered the same thing. Like, you know, I see, you know, see a a guy and his wife going down the highway and those things stock are like, I mean, eight, 900 pounds. Um, I mean, they've got them cut down. It's crazy. you know, the, the racing ones, they got them cut down to six. You know, I've heard of some people say their bikes are down in the low fives. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you, you see people riding them things around town and down the highway. It's like, that's, that does not look fun. Like, that nah, thing, you know, nah. that thing weighs as much as a, a uh, Prius. 
and you know you got to hold it up at every stoplight. So and then they throw their they throw their old lady on the back. Yeah, and their saddlebags are packed with shit. Dude, you're carrying a house around like it's it's no joke. Yeah, so you know I I get it. You know I, like I said I've never even sat on one until I went to the racetrack with one. So you know I sat on that thing and same thing I about fell over in the pits on it. Um, it's still the same way. Like I got a whole procedure to get on and off that thing. Like I found a safe way on and off without falling over. So uh, <laughs> you know that's that's the hardest part. <laughs> Oh man, I love it. That's so good. Now I appreciate it, man. I was, I was genuinely just, I just wanted to hear about your, your bagger experience. And I've had a lot of people ask like, what the hell's Jake been up to? And I'm like, you know what? Let's find out. Let's see. Cause I haven't seen you in a while either. So, um, hopefully we, uh, can shred the moto track here soon or something. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's getting too hot now. I mean, I'm, I'm, re- it is hot. I'm retired bagger race working I'm, I'm fair weather rider now dude so i'll see you in like september <laughs> uh <laughs> now i do want to ride um I did, uh, every time i ride um uh, a couple spokes fall out of my rear wheel on my ktm and i think i'm getting to the point where i shouldn't ride it anymore so i need to uh <laughs> need to do a little little maintenance on that thing but uh definitely want to get back out there but um, but yeah, I don't know if you heard, I got, I got another, uh, big event coming up. Did you, did you hear about that one? Nah. The big, no, uh, I haven't. the big, uh, Jake Johnson versus George Roeder, uh, match. Oh, rate. I did see that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. You're going to get smoked. I know. <laughs> George the funny, Roeder. The funny thing is I went from like, you know, basically, <laughs> you know, a full-time professional racer. And, and in like three months, it's like, I've been retired for like 15 years and I'm getting invited to do all this old vintage stuff. And like, I don't know whether, to, I don't know whether to feel like honored or insulted, or honored, but it's cool. Like, I'm, What are you guys riding? I saw that Wazion for everybody listening. It's Wazion half mile. It's coming up a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. July. And it's 16th. Jake Johnson. July 16th. So same, same weekend as the coin, right? Same weekend as the coin. Yeah. Um, July 16th, Wasion, Ohio, go on rotors, uh, Harley Davidson, Facebook pages for that info. Um, but yeah, Jake's going up against George Rotor. Like that's the last guy. Well, besides rusty that I'd want to go against on a cush, man. Like, what are you guys riding? Uh, well, I, I'm hoping we are riding XR 750. I think He did mention something about possibly riding KRs. And oh, he asked shit. me, he's like, hey, would you ride a KR? And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I've never ridden one. Sure. You know, check it off the bucket list. But he, and he's like, well, they have no brakes and they're hardtails. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, I don't want him to call me. This you can year. say no, said, Jake. Well, I mean, whatever. I, I only got to ride it for like <laughs> six, eight laps. Sure. But. I think I'll be all right, but but no, I'm. I guess he was trying to track some down. Hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully we end up riding next cars. Um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, it was funny we were talking a little bit and kind of you know sorting out the details. And he was telling me he's like, "Hey man, just, just take it easy on me." I'm like, "Dude, I was gonna tell you the same." Like, you know, I, I, I've <laughs> I I've gotten to battle say, him. Like... I've battled him quite a few times over the years when I was younger, and uh, they were. Uh, 
some of the toughest battles that I've, I've had in my career. So I know uh, it, it could get, uh, could get pretty dicey. Yeah. Two guys in my career when I was younger that I lined up against who I was absolutely terrified was J.R. Schnabel and George Roeder. Like <laughs> I remember just being next to him on a, I, I forget where it was. It was like an outlaw cushion race. And I'm like, good Lord, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man. Talk about an animal. Yeah. I did see that. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah that so, would be cool. Hopefully. So it's fun. I was like basically planning on doing absolutely nothing this year. And then kind of all this fun stuff's popping up. So I'm having, uh, having a good time with it. So. Did uh, you see they're doing a uh, 110 in the X games? What are they doing? They're doing pit bike racing in the X Games this year. Really? 10 racing. Wow. Yeah, I just saw it. Yeah, so you never know what – what you never know, Jake. It, we could be racing – bagger. this bagger thing could really take off, um, and you might be ahead of the game. So, <laughs> um. I think so. I think so. I mean, I don't know – yeah, I mean, it just all depends on how it evolves, I guess. I mean, it seems like people are into it. It's kind of uh, – I don't know, it kind of opens up to a whole new crowd, you know, like hardly people, like, you know, some of them are into racing, but most of them are just in the, you know, riding their bike to the bar and, you know, with their old lady. Yeah, you're on the racing back and, what they ride. Yeah, yeah. So so that's, it's, it's kind of bringing a whole new, you know, demographic to racing, I it. guess, in a sense. And, yeah. and the racing people, um, you know, I mean, probably half and half. Some of them think it's completely ridiculous. And then the other half are like, man, that's kind of cool. So, um, yeah, that's I don't awesome. know. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully it's, uh, hopefully it's here to stay for a while, but, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll nice. ride it out. I'll ride it out for as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on, dude. And, uh, get me, uh, get me the dates for the next bagger deal. Cause, uh, definitely want to try and tune in for it. Uh, 14.99 is not bad. That's, that's worth that's worth going on to see Jake Johnson race a bagger for sure. So, <laughs> fight fight TV. Yeah, yeah, and I guess yeah. I mean, once I mean, once you watch it once, you've seen it. But but I guess it's just like anything, kind of like the uh, NBC Gold Pass thing. Like once you watch it once, you can go back and watch it again and again, or you know whatever oh, cool. you want. So once 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 you got it, you own it, and uh, you can check it out. But hopefully. Uh, I don't know. I was telling them guys after that race, you know, they were kind of like easing into it this year, you know, a couple rounds. And I'm like, man, we need to have a 22 race series next year. And they're like, what? No, 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 no. I'm like, come on, man. I need something to do. But yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I'll talk to you soon, dude. Thanks again for, uh, for chatting and uh, we'll see, hopefully see you soon, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys updated. I'll let you know what's uh, what the next big adventure for for Jake Johnson is. Rad. Maybe uh, if you need a teammate, maybe we could call Chambers up. He could he could be your teammate. He wants to ride a bagger so bad. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'd be an incredible team. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a crew chief. Dude. I'll, I'll put his name out there. I don't want him. I don't want him riding mine, but maybe maybe we can find something. <laughs> ah, I love it. All right, I'll chat you soon. All right. <laughs> Later, Jake. Bye. Bye.
So good. Dude, that was awesome. Jake Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, the bagger guy. Just, I'm fired up. That pumped me up. I was kind of tired before this interview. I was not going to lie. I was a little, little sleepy and getting to chat with Colin and then listen to Jake Johnson just talk about his bagger race perked me right up. I'm, I'm fired up right now. Oh, that was so good. So good. Want to make sure we shout out our sponsors and make this show happen. Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com. Hit them up on social media. Tell them the boys from Tank Slap and sent you. Really, really appreciate Bell and, and their support. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Really cool to hear Colin Edwards talk about his relationship with Yamaha over the years. And, and Tom Halverson actually uh, is one of my guys at Yamaha. So he's He's done a lot for me personally, and it's cool to hear that name uh, when Colin was talking about him. So we appreciate Tom and um, Jim Roach and everybody at Yamaha that that supports uh, supports the show. I really appreciate it. Moto America, Laguna Seca is coming up July 9th to 11th. That's one of the top facilities in the world. Laguna Seca is iconic. So get tickets if you're Northern California. Go check that out. Uh Junior Cup, King of Baggers, Hona Superbike, Super Sport, Stock 1000, and Twins Cup. If you can't be there, subscribe to that Live Plus package. It's worth every penny. Indian Motorcycle. Talking about baggers, the Indian Challenger run by Tyler O'Hara, supported by Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, they've been a choice. They have been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Look up a local dealership and see what they have to offer from their line of motorcycles. They also support American flat track with contingency and their factory team with rider Briar Bauman and Jared Meese. DID chain at DID chain, hit them up on social media as well. Shoot them some questions about their products. They're super knowledgeable and always willing to answer and help out anybody that has any questions about what they have to offer on your motorcycle. Roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, uh, big thanks to Jerry for keeping this going. Hit Jerry up on social media and just thank him for supporting the industry and, and keeping the sport going. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, the official tire of the American Flat Track Series, the DT4, Snag One on their website, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. At AIM Sports Data, appreciate their support of the podcast. They are the world leader in data acquisition. The Solo 2 and Solo 2 DL, if you need any information about those products, Hit me up. I have some knowledge. I've used them all quite a bit on our race bikes. And uh, it's like I've said before, I hate giving away some of our, our race secrets on the podcast, but it's uh, one of them things the world needs to know. It's a phenomenal product. And then Hannah Charlie Davidson, Media Pennsylvania, 65 years in business, 1011 West Baltimore Pike in Media Pennsylvania. Hit them up on social media and check out their website at hannamshd.com. Big pod job, big wrap. Um, appreciate you guys. As always, subscribe to the to the platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Um, somebody mentioned, uh, I, I got sent a screenshot of somebody saying that um, something was mentioned about rule future rules packages moving forward. And there is a rumor going around that we are going production-based. Um, soon i don't know i don't really know a heck of a lot about it somebody said that i was maybe beating around the bush a little bit um because i wasn't allowed to speak my opinion which is the funniest fucking thing i've ever heard because ain't nobody gonna tell me i'm my own boss and i'll uh, i always speak what's on my mind and that's the beauty of this podcast is uh i'm just gonna say what's on my mind all the time but 
with that being said, I also don't let little things bother me really when it comes to things that are out of my control. I am focused on what I have going on in my racing and my, um, my other stuff that I'm doing. I just don't have that information, but I, I, I did hear production. It's looking like production based in the future, but I have not personally been asked my opinion or have been told um, anything more than what I've heard, just, uh, just a rumor. So we'll see how that kind of unfolds here. I think, I, I think the idea of production is intriguing for somebody like me because I've been on a production bike pretty much. I've never really, you know, besides a handful of races, I've never really ridden um, a race purpose built motorcycle minus the XR 750 over a decade ago. But for me, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I, I, I have a lot of experience on production twins, so I'm not, you know, it's got to make sense from a industry standpoint and for the sport and the series, but you know, it's, it's one of the things that I, I won't be too mad about because I feel like I I'll be in the mix because of just my experience and my, my team's experience with, uh, with what we're already doing. So yeah, no, but that's, it's just funny. I, um, definitely not the guy that's going to be told what to say, or, you know, I've, I've gotten emails from, I've gotten emails from AFT and, and other, other people, you know, asking me not, you know, to maybe word things differently. And it obviously, as you can imagine, my response was, was ha similar to what I just mentioned here today, but, um, but no, I, you know, there, there are a lot of things that they are doing well and, and they get a lot of flack for, for a lot of shit they're doing, but they do, they do some things well also that, you know, don't get talked about enough. And, you know, people hammer in the super twins class. It just gets old, man. I mean, it does suck. There, there's not a full grid. It's, it sucks for me to see as somebody who grew up in the sport um, more so because I've mentioned it before, but the talent of the guys out there right now, you know, the Briar Bauman's, the, you know, Vanderkoy, B Rob, those guys, they're phenomenal riders as good as we've ever seen. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a shame that people aren't tuning in just out of protest, just support those guys. If nothing else, support the riders in that class, just turning it off and, and not even watching the super twins. That's like casual fan shit, man. I mean, if you're a fan of the support uh, of the sport, hell I'd go out and watch, I'd go out and watch Briar ride by himself. Like I, you know, it's, you got to support the riders, you know, you, you want to protest the series, but you're also doing harm for the riders when you're doing that. So keep that in mind. Cause we're out here doing our thing, trying to put a show on and, and uh, you know, it's, it's one of them things that you, you hate to read and you hate to see because the riders certainly don't deserve it. They're um, phenomenal riders and they deserve more than, than what I read sometimes, but that's all, man. That's my, uh, that's my little Ted talk on the old pod. Um, good show. Looking forward to the next one. Leave a review if you can on iTunes. Love to see that stuff and we'll chat you soon. We out.